Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Marnie. Mike Indiglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. My co-host said to me before we went on air is, I want to feast on your tears. It's true. Uh, The last thing I read on social media was that there's a dying mouse in your apartment. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, the practice how's it going Degs? it's good uh, i've come to learn that you can't hear me when i'm talking over the bumpers so uh, i surely cannot so you didn't hear what i said there what i said was the last thing i read on social media was that there's a dying mouse in your apartment and i'd, I'd love the scoop oh yeah there sure is i mean if if you're a long time listener and if you're here obviously you are uh yeah, you have heard much uh-oh. much of the uh oh uh oh Mike's gone Mike's gone he's gone we lost I him pi- I took a picture <laughs> he's back uh but we have had a a long running saga of uh mice issues in our apartment here in our beautiful apartment in Astoria Queens it's not beautiful and we can't wait to be gone. Uh, but yes, we found uh, a my, a mouse on our kitchen floor this morning uh, that is mostly dead. We think it has been poisoned, and I'm not mad enough to deal with it until it has left us. But we are both completely heartbroken, uh, and it is uh, it's gross and sad at the same time. You got to sweep it into a plastic bag, my friend, and just whack it against the wall. I think it's the humane thing to do. Uh, I mean, some version of that, I I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think at this point it is, I, I, I think it has left us. So um, okay. now it okay. just needs to to leave us, which uh, again, very, uh, very sad about it and uh, kind of ready to not be here anymore. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's time. Yeah, well, I keep looking at all of your fancy ass new apartment pictures and I'm like, we're living in a nest of uh, boxes, now boxes and uh, corpses. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's what uh, it's how someone tends to enjoy their holiday season. It is the holiday season. Christmas has Christmas. Uh, Jen, I thought that we had already finished Christmasing, but mm-hmm. she has today off. So uh, phase two. How has would you begun? have finished Christmasing? It's only uh, December 7th. Well, I meant like Christmasing the apartment. You know, like oh, de- oh, I decorating. see, I see. All right, uh, all right. But phase two has begun today. Uh, she's she's at the store. More things are being purchased. I, I don't know what's happening, but you know what? I'm letting her have this one. Uh, well, no, I and and 
I'm I'm with you. Like I'm not a decorator, but Jillian is. J- Jillian is, and actually, over the years, I've grown to really enjoy when she, uh, you know, she will holiday up our various places. We're not doing that this year because we're essentially homeless. Uh, but <laughs> as soon as we get to the new house, we're gonna do all the holidays all at once. Let me tell you. Let me just tell you. I'm I'm very happy. I'm happy to be healthy. I'm appreciative of where we are. Everything is great. However, every time. People, there's a, you know, New York Christmas is a thing, and all television shows want to show you New York Christmas, and right. people are posting pictures from the CVS we used to buy our, tea, our tree from, and I'm very homesick for New York right now uh, during the Christmas season, but, you know, uh, it comes with the territory. All of my friends are buying homes right now, and, and mm-hmm. I will say that- uh, Or trying to, to, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we tried to we had to break it to Jen's brother that we're not going out to Long Island for Christmas. You know we do a my Christmas Christmas with my family, Christmas with her family, and then vacation Christmas year. Right. Uh, this was supposed to be vacation Christmas year, but COVID, and right. so we said, okay, well we'll do Thanksgiving with my family and Christmas with Jen's family, but we just had to cancel that. Uh, so we've yeah. come to the we're at the thing where we're going to do Christmas here at our own apartment just by ourselves. That's only 10 minutes down the road from my mother, so breaking that to her is... There's a lot of well, heartbreaking taking place this season. Yeah, no, and I, I, I texted you the SNL <clears throat> telling your parents you're not coming home for Christmas for because of COVID uh, sketch just about an hour ago. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of dealing with that too. Um, as I mentioned, if you're not listening to this live, it is December 7th in the middle of the worst COVID outbreak in all of space and time. And uh, my parents basically have said, like, don't even bother. Like, don't come. Yeah, well, great. <laughs> like, Good. and which I appreciate, honestly, I really do. And it, there's a lot of reasons my, you know, my grandfather is ill and my mother's taking care of him. And so they're not even in the same place right now. But, um, you know, we have to sort of decide what we're going to do, read the other side of the family and I and like what do we do do we go do we not go I feel a little irresponsible going but also it's complicated and I and I don't I mean it, the best thing for us all as a society were to be just like chill at home and and uh and quarantine yourself and make it nice as much as you can like we did for Thanksgiving you know, Jill's and I had a, had a wonderful Thanksgiving all by ourselves. I mean, of course, we missed our families, but it's sort of more important that they, you know, survive. Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know. Not to get too too deep into it, but you know, I went and got a test today, and my family's texting me, ribbing me, and they're like, "Well, what? You just got a test three weeks ago." But and I'm I I try to completely remind them that you know, when I was in New York, we were isolated. I didn't leave my apartment. And so right, sure. there was no need to be tested. But here, my family, God love them, is up my ass. They drop by. Um, I have to wear my mask in my apartment. Jen had to go back to work. She's working in restaurant with people. And I just, you know, if my mom's going to be around, and she is, I want to make sure we good. And of course. so Jen and I alternate every two weeks. One of us gets tested. And it's a drive-through. It's not like we're taking up, you know, lab or beds, you right, know, hospital right. time appointments from people who need it. I, we're trying to be as responsible as possible whilst allowing other folks to have their own, make their own risk assessment and, and judgments. And it's, those are really difficult things to, to uh, assess. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, anyway. and, and the social dynamics are just really. I mean, the social dynamics around the holidays are already right crazy fraud, and this year even even more so. Well, Anyhow. anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. So <laughs> COVID still a thing, uh, still happening. Anyway, all right. So I want to do something this week that we should probably get in the habit of doing every week. And that is show our uh-oh. contact info. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm small. Damn it, I'm like the mouse dying on the floor. All right, well, okay. You keep talking, I'll fix okay. it. Okay, all right. Well, and, and that is, I think we should give out our contact info earlier in the episode when anybody is still watching so people can reach out so uh. that Phoenix doesn't just have to moderate himself. So I built us some new slides. So sure why don't did, you man. throw those up? And I will just quickly say you can reach us at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us directly and we check it. It's us. We reply out of practice podcast at gmail.com. You can check the blog out of practice podcast.blogspot.com, which I have abandoned. It's lost in the wilderness, <laughs> but I promise I'm going to get back to it. You can do us a huge favor and join the jury. By leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service of your choice. If it's not Apple Podcasts, let us know because we want to give you full credit, read it out loud, and welcome you to the jury. You don't have to give us five stars. You get to be on the jury either way, guilty or innocent. You get to be part of it. So uh, there it is. Well done, sir. Well done. Uh all right, so it's time to move forward into the show, and we have some pretty exciting filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Well, our most frequent contributor and moderator of himself on the YouTube's Phoenix Cage said a couple of things. Uh, First off, he said, Keith, I must be as old as you because eight months ago, I was happy to have found this three-sided power strip that maximizes space without any plugs blocking each other. I mounted it to the back of my office entertainment center and reorganized a couple dozen cables. And he said, if you're curious about Phoenix's power supply and want to see it on Amazon, he put the link right there on YouTube. So check it out. I was so excited about my new power supply for my computer. And uh, because we are men of a certain age, who doesn't love plug management systems? He also wrote uh, about my comment. Uh, we're talking about trauma <laughs> in in our comedy podcast. And, and <laughs> about how... <laughs> Hilarious! <laughs> uh, and how often worse than the trauma is the lack of support of people around you. And he quoted me saying, worse than the trauma is the lack of support. He said, Keith, yes, absolutely. I experienced it myself a few years ago. This may be repurposing of a quote, but it remains true. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And that is a Dr. Martin Luther King quote that has actually been making the rounds a fair bit of late. And, uh, It's always appropriate, but certainly has been uh, very uh, tip of the tongue of late. Um, So, yeah, very uh, good points. Now, moving on, uh, we got something very special 
uh, from our good friend. Is this friend the thing? Is this the and thing? Founding supporter Jennifer Masanova, who uh, may have uh, sent it slightly delayed, but she has sent something just for you. Now, I put up our logo for the first seven seconds just to make sure you did not have the surprise spoiled. So, well, you also named the video Mike Don't Watch. Mike, don't watch. I, 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 it was clear, right? You, you knew was, not to watch it. I haven't watched. Of course, knowing you, that's like guaranteed you're going to watch it. No, that well, that's the best part of this whole podcast for me is I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't have to pre-watch. I don't have to prepare. I just kind of <laughs> that's true. Show that, up. Yeah, that's yeah. Fair enough. And fiddle the buttons. And yeah. Well, you you do the editing afterwards. I do all the work sure. ahead of time. You do the work after. So. And and we have to stop this Monday thing because I cannot. It, I it, it literally. Well, it doesn't take well, too long. It's probably three hours all told. One of it, us keeps forgetting that it's Saturday on Saturday. And I'm like, yeah. hey, are we rolling? They're like, wait, is it Saturday? So T- Time you, is more of an idea. Complain to yourself, idea. sir. Complain yeah. to yourself. Time is an idea. Should I roll it? Let's roll it. All right, hopefully you can hear it. All right, so I just put this logo here to fake you out. It's our logo. It's, it's very fancy. Hi, Mike. Calvin with the Columbus Zoo here. We received a call from Jennifer who said that she was slow in getting you a happy birthday message this year. So happy 40th birthday from us here at the zoo as well as our slow friend, Sid the Sloth. Hope it's a great one, Mike. Hi, Mike. My name's Emily, and this here is Ray, and he's one of our cheetahs here in the ambassador program at the Columbus Zoo. Now, we heard that you and Jen really like cats, and Ray is one of the coolest animals that we have here in our department. Cheetahs are the fastest land animal in the world. They can reach speeds of up to 60 miles per hour in just three seconds. So they're one of the most amazing cats in the world. Now, Ray and I really wanted to wish you a happy 40th birthday. We hope you have a fabulous day. Just happy birthday from not only Ray and I, but everyone else at the Columbus Zoo. And Jennifer wanted to thank you, especially for the amazing podcast that you did. We hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Three or four years ago when I was and this is just tour, a bonus clip to prove that the sloth, the sloth wasn't stuffed. So there it is. I, I don't even know what to say. She got me a Columbus Zoo cameo, double cameo, double cameo from like from a sloth and a cheetah. Oh my God! Well. Which one of us is the is the sloth, and which one of us is the cheetah? I guess is the question. Oh, that's uh, you know we'll submit that to our listeners, guys. Write in hashtag Keith is sloth, hashtag Mike is <laughs> cheetah, or vice versa. Um, Jennifer, how cool is that, huh? That that is super cool. I received three cameos for my birthday this year. Did you? Um, I did. I'll, I'll quickly uh, tell you what, what they were. So. Clearly, the Columbus Zoo cheetah. So it, it should be noted what Jennifer doesn't even know is that growing up, one of my favorite games I played with my sister, one of our imaginary games, was called Cheetah. No where, kidding. Wherein I would play a cheetah. I would my, I would be a cheetah that my sister, who was a vet tech, stole from a lab experiment. They were going to experiment on this cheetah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like living in her apartment in the big city and... We had to get into fights in slow motion, and she would put red nail polish on me, which I'd be all nicked up. And then her, as the vet, would use nail polish remover to take it off me. So it turns out that's a little This Day in the Basement connection to Cheetah. So that's awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. I also received 
uh, I'm a big fan of Big Brother, as we discussed. And mm -hmm. one of the contestants this year, his name was Memphis. He's the one they just picked out of the blue to make the bad guy, the villain. Uh -huh. You know how they always edit somebody as the villain? Well, sure, yeah. And I made a comment to a family member that, you know, I think that he is the, you know, he got a raw deal this year because he's just playing the game and they edited him to be the villain. And I got a, a cameo from Memphis thanking me <laughs> for having his back. And he actually got like really uh, emotional and serious on the cameo. And he's like, you know, like, I didn't think the fallout from the way they edited me was going to be so bad in my personal life. He's like, so I, I really appreciate that some people got the understand that it's not really me. And I was like, this was deep. Oh my and then, God. And then third, way back when I'm about seven years old, my dad took me and my brother to our first professional wrestling event. Mm -hmm. And we were walking into the Wildwood Convention Center in New Jersey. And this oh, I car know Wildwood. Comes, yeah, this car comes around the corner and almost runs me over and stops and gets out of the car and apologizes for almost hitting me as a child, like running me down. And it was this wrestling wrestler from the 80s named Coco Beware. Uh, he had like a parrot and he was like, oh, I'm the bird man. Anyway, oh, my brother. Yeah, sure. Yeah, my bro that guy's still alive and my brother got a cameo of him wishing me a happy birthday. So uh, what a menagerie of cameos I received. <laughs> so we got, a, we got a sloth, a parrot, Coco Beware, Memphis, and uh, the cheetah. So thank I mean, you one and all. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, I and I was like, I was so delighted uh, when Jennifer sent those. She's on the board. So she was oh, able to make that happen. Uh, that's awesome. But but she says that the uh, the Columbus Zoo does a lot of cameos now to help sort of make up the the funding and that that they have from lack of ticket sales. So so someday. if you have a loved one, if you have a loved one who is, has a special yes. day coming up or for the holidays, make sure to reach out to the Columbus Zoo on Cameo and support them. Uh, we the zoos need our uh, our support they, during this time. They certainly do. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm hope that. Uh, uh, once uh, this is all done, we can go visit in uh, in real life. It looks like a good zoo. Like there's there's nothing sadder than a bad zoo, but yeah, good zoos. Although can, I would imagine that important... when the spring and summer rolls around and the vaccines start coming, the zoo's a nice outdoor activity. Yeah, uh, most for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So here's uh, here's hoping. Well, that was delightful, delightful. and uh, and super fun. Oh, oh, oh. I'm oh. giant. I'm, I'm even more giant. I don't. I just if, I wish I understood the what's happening per se. But, you I'm know. giant. <laughs> there I am. Okay. <laughs> just gotta go with it. Yeah. Just gotta, you're, just gotta, you're whatever really happens, you just have comedian? to go. Comedian. Comedian. All right. We are talking about this week, season five, episode twelve, entitled "Payback," and it aired on January. 14th, the year 2001. And that brings up, Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Oh, I, I, I can answer you that question, Keith, but uh, I can can't you? show you the thing just yet until I uh, resize you there. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, okay well, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, God. It's still our logo. Oh, God. Oh, we're going to hear from the cheetah again. Oh, God. Oh, boy, it's a... Craziness, craziness happening. All right, well, January 14th. Yes. 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a picture, and I have, didn't load it in, but this, um, so on- Just I'm act gonna, it out, act I'm out gonna, the picture. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. So my dad was still, uh, 
you know, in the recovery center, nursing home situation. But every year growing up, New Year's, I think I've mentioned this in the past, it was like one of the only times we would do something with my dad's side of the family. We would go to Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where my dad's uncle, but they were this, almost the same age, so they were sort of like brothers. So we called him Uncle Joe, even though he was, I guess, our cousin. I don't, I, I don't know. But regardless, family. we would go there and there'd be like a giant group of people of my dad's side of the family and we'd hang out and my Aunt Charlotte was like a drummer, so... And there were some guitar players, so they would, oh, they cool. would like, get a, a rock band going. And it was just like such an awesome thing. And we'd, we'd rock in New Year's it into the New Year. And this was, we even though my dad couldn't be with us, we went anyway. And I remember this being one of the last years we really did it. Because after my dad died, my, my, my grandmother on my dad's side sort of went a little dementia-y. I mean, losing a, a child is, you know, that'll I wreck you anyway. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So I remember this being one of the last sort of fun ones we went to, and uh, we would they would always have the big Dick Clark on the uh, on the jumbotron. They'd like put a little projector screen up, and we'd watch that and such. So I actually queued up uh, to remind ourselves, you know, and earlier in the broadcast, uh, you see Julie, Rudy Giuliani, but I, I've cut through him because uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're not giving him any more airtime. <laughs> oh my god. He's dealing with enough right now, I guess. Oh, he's anyway. So here's the here's up. how we rang in the new year in 2001. Little did we know that later that year, uh, shit was going to hit the fan and the world was going to change yet again. Yeah. But uh, this was our pre-terrorism life in New York City, and uh, actually, it's pre-Mike too. I didn't quite move there yet. So, did you had you moved to New York just yet? No, I still had one more year oh, of right. school. All right, I will go later this year, but here we go. Oh, no. Look at him. I got to bring it up, and I got to hit play. Hold on. I thought I was ready. Talk You're not ready. Yourself. Okay. Oh, here we go. 20 seconds. In 15. Looks like it might be hitting that Oh, it's a bit. What's going to happen? They've never, they've never replaced Dick Clark. Never. No, because you know, it's this whole thing, it's this whole brand. Muhammad Ali. With Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I'm so curious, Keith. I mean, this is going to be the first year in decades that you're not going to see this scene. Yeah. Next month, it's going to be really trippy. That's true. Yeah. Well, a lot of things are. Yeah. I mean, it's just the. The beginning, or just like the tip of the iceberg of all the things that are weird and different uh, this year. He is just such a sweet man. Like, Dick Clark's entire career in life is such a showbiz... Sorry, I'm, I'm really in this right now. My you're feels... You're just like in... I'm in the feels of Feel a, a different well, I mean, time. Your, your New Year's tradition sounds like a lot of fun. I would love to get like family together and jam on New Year's every every year. Yeah, I mean, it really uh, it really highlights. My boyfriend and I were talking about it this morning. You know, it was it was such a shame because it was the only time we had really any connection with my father's side of the family. He kept them at arm's distance. I'll never understand mm. why. I'm sure there were reasons. Some good, some stupid. I'm sure, but. It's such a, and be and because of that, I barely have any contact with them now. And and mm. 
it's uh, it's sad. So it, as many things happen as you age, things be memories that are good memories become bittersweet memories, and you know that just happens with nostalgia in general. I think, but I'm trying to make a conscious conscious effort moving forward to try to replace some of the bittersweetness with just joy, you know, and just kind of remember the joy because uh, there's just, I, I just want to make more room in my life for for appreciation and joy, if that makes any sense, especially as we round out this crazy, crazy year. Yeah. Well, I, I think it makes a great deal of sense. And I think as we get older, not only do we add more memories, but we add context to old memories. And so it's my understanding of everything is continually changing, is continually growing and adapting, and how I'm reacting to it is continually changing and growing and reacting. And you know, especially when you're dealing with family and history, you're you're sort of rewriting the history yeah. and the present and the future over and over again. And you're and you're never changing what happened, but you are changing how you react to it and what the reasons are and and this, that, the other thing. And I, I feel like that's certainly in my last 10 years, so much has been rewritten about myself and my relationships and my, and my, the context of, of sort of like how we are founded and, and what to do about it. And as our parents are getting older and you're starting to think about like, you know, what do I want this relationship to be? It doesn't change anything good, bad, or ugly, but what do I want this relationship to be and how do I want to relate? And I think it's, it's been really, it's been very interesting. All right. Well, before we get too dark, let us, Wait, uh, whoa, whoa, what were you doing? Oh, well, I, New Year's? That, oh. well, let me tell you what I was doing and what I'm going to do this week. Uh, Partially due to the circumstances of the date and partially because somebody uh, gave me a lot of shit last week, Phoenix, and I would like to combine my favorite segment with this and do super mega Sports ball! It's time, it's time, time, time. It's time for sports. Ball. Super <laughs> mega sports ball. Last week I screwed up the date and missed some very important sports ball updates. In the 2000 wild card matchup, the Philadelphia Football Eagles beat the Bucks 21 to 3 to advance to the division matchup with the New York Football Giants. Ron Dixon returned the opening kickoff 97 yards to put the Giants up 7-0. I'm setting the scene. This is last week. After a Brad DeLuiso field goal put the Giants up 10-0 in the second quarter, Jason Seahorn did this. Oh, shit. Which one is it? The first one the first or the one. second one? First one. All right. So the uh, Giants were up 10-0 in the second quarter against the New York or the Philadelphia Football Eagles in the division round. And then this happened. The thing to stop that frustration is a little success, but I think the fact that they're only down by 10 still gives them a little hope. They haven't been able to do Remember anything. This? And they're only down by 10 points. McNabb throws. And the pass is almost picked up. It is picked it up. Is. Seahorn came up with it. Jason Seahorn is going to take it in. Seahorn takes it in in what was ranked by NFL.com. You can stop it. I'm enjoying this so much. Is ranked by the as the seventh best interception in NFL history by NFL.com. 
Well, after this happened, McNabb threw a garbage touchdown in the fourth quarter, but it only made it seem closer than it was as the Giants advanced to the division, to the conference championship round after a 20 to 10 victory. Then, like this, Phoenix, we're just going to go for as long as I want. Then, on a field of painted mud, the New York football giants put up a performance of the for the ages in the conference championship game. On the opening drive, this happened. And the Viking, the right side was Sean Payton, the offensive coordinator. Camella went in motion. Here's Collins back to throw. Time. Hey, Collins. Oh! Ike Hilliard scored a 46-yard touchdown on the opening possession. The Vikings fumbled the following kickoff. The next play, Collins hit Greg Camella for another touchdown, giving the Giants 14 points in three plays. Kerry Collins eventually threw five touchdowns, four in the first half in front of 78,000 berserk fans at Giants Stadium. The Giants would advance to Super Bowl 30. Five with a 41 to nothing victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Ike Hilliard had a career game with 10 catches, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. The Giants would head to Tampa to play Trent Dilfer and the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. And if you think I gave a shit about anything else this day, you are sorely mistaken. That wow. is my day in the basement and super mega sports ball. So, dear listeners, and <laughs> Phoenix specifically, <laughs> join me, whether you like sports or football at all this year, especially in this crazy year, join <laughs> me in hoping, and this is, I'm saying this as an Eagles, forced Eagles fan, because right now they don't deserve any fandom, <laughs> but let's all hope that the New York football giants make their way into the playoffs at four and Eight or whatever, four and nine. Five and seven, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, yeah. A sub-eight-win team probably will make it to the NFC NFC Championship. And let's all watch them get absolutely pummeled in the playoffs, (laughs) and then we'll all come back to the Out of Practice podcast and and watch Keith uh, cry his his New York giant tears and we'll all feast upon them together as friends. How about that? (laughs) That sounds good to me. Yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. And uh, I, I'm not saying I don't deserve it. You tell a heartfelt family story, and then I mock <laughs> your team <laughs> for All an right. extended sports Roll ball. that Eric William Morris bumper. Yes. Not that. That's the wrong one. <laughs> it's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. As we mentioned, we are, of course, talking about Season 5, Episode 12. Still going. Payback. Still going. This was January 14th, the year 2001, and of course, Independent Woman by Destiny's Child continued tearing up the number one charts. The local paper talked about a quake rocks El El Salvador. There was a horrible earthquake and landslides that killed almost a thousand people. Let's all dance to that horrible news. Rudy Giuliani, mayor of New York, was sane and respected. He was... One of those things. The uh, top movie 
was Save the Last Dance, starring Julia Stiles and Sean Patrick Thomas. This is actually like a whole bunch of live musicians doing this. Sounds amazing. All right. Thank you really so good. much, independent women. Now, I will uh, spare Phoenix doing yet another sports ball. In fact, and I'll concede anything I had even remotely planned to do. Let's just move to uh, I'm what's a human next. being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Mike, it's almost like you have a heart out at four or something. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I'm in a show <laughs> called A Christmas Karen at SeizeTheShow.com. <laughs> after Christmas Karen. Sometimes these she like is, is she like calling uh, the police on black kids in the street. Uh, I, it's a table read, so I actually don't know what it's about, but I do know uh, this is one of those events. You know, remember when you were like young and you wouldn't get a part, or you'd get a smaller part in the show and you'd be like bummed out. It's sure. a crazy how things change because in the past few weeks, so very, very luckily the the seize the show venture is. Uh, picking up a little steam, and so now we're getting paid uh, more appropriately uh, oh, for fantastic. our work. And, you know, we were smart enough to uh, do what they call in the biz a favored nations clause. Ah, uh, smart. So that the resident company, the, those of us who started from the beginning, get uh, paid the same, regardless of what we happen to be doing that week, because your role changes show to show. This is one of those times, Keith, I'm loving it, because I have, I think, maybe three lines in the whole <laughs> thing. So it is like, it's like, say your two funny lines and collect that paycheck, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. But you boy, still can't be uh, late, still can't be late. It is different when you're older. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about season five, episode 12, entitled Payback. This show was written by David E. Kelly, surprise, surprise, and Mark Guggenheim, who is a first-time writer on The Practice. He wrote on... DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Flash Forward. He created the show Eli Stone, which I understand to be an underrated gem, and wrote on Law & Order. It was directed by Andy Wolk, who last directed Checkmates, mm. which leaves us only one thing to do. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? This is how guitars is this work, what right? What happens to women when you insert your penis? Gross. What? What? What, what does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what, what would have happened? Keith, you may not remember because it was a really subtle thing that happened, but uh, Bobby killed somebody? Oh, yeah, right. There's, uh, there was something about him when he uh, decapitated. Uh, he he got a very hits. subtle twelve foot uh, gangster to mm -hmm. scare Mister Hinks, and I guess by scare he meant chop his head off and put it in the freezer. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that happened. My guess for payback is that um, I don't see a universe in which Bobby isn't uh, at least suspected, even though Ray Bruto at the end of the last episode said he there were no suspects yet, but I suspect this comes back around to Bobby. Uh, you would hope, yeah. It'd be pretty bad storytelling if it didn't. So I'm gonna, we're, we're getting closer 
well, we have 10 episodes. I think this feel really feels like an arc that would be better at the end of the season, but uh-huh. I'm going to go for it. Big swings. Bobby's going to get fingered for this as either a conspirator to murder or, or, or as a murderer. Okay. Uh, because clearly there's evidence all over the wall that Hinks was obsessed with Lindsay. Right. Which ties directly to Bobby. So I think we're going to have a bifurcated case or bifurcated episode. We're going to have the the trial of Bobby, okay, defended by, I guess, it's got to be the team, the firm, right? It's got to be our, 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 our characters. Well, here's a good question. So if, you, if you're Bobby on trial, who do you want to be the lead person defending you amongst our heroes? Eugene. I want Eugene with second chair Eleanor. That's what I want. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But big swing. Big swing. Behind the scenes, Helen and Lindsay are doing like some Columbo slash PI investigation trying to find out what really happened and and, and, uh, operating behind, behind the scenes. Okay. That doesn't uh, answer what the hell Q2 means or what the episode payback means. So yeah. I don't know, but- uh, But if you are watching, I just put my head in my own freezer because that's yeah. where uh, my, that's where Hinks ended up. You know what? I'm gonna, uh, can I change it to my big swing? Yeah. Lindsay, not only, she's out for blood. Like she wants to F this guy up. Like maybe, maybe he meets an untimely end as well. 12 foot- uh, Hitman. So Lindsay kills the hitman Bobby hired, hired to, to kill Hanks to scare Hanks. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we're about to find out whether you're right. So it is time to click over to your favorite podcasting service of choice. Listen to us. Listen to the episode, and we'll be right back here for the oopsies. This is scandalous. What is this picture here? It's a good, well, you know, she's pregnant. That's true. What will she do without Bobby? Bobby's, can she be with a man who's potentially capable of of hiring a hitman? That's a good, it's a good question. And also we'll have to discuss Bobby's PJs at some point. (laughs) We'll see you after the episode. (laughs) Season five, episode 12, Payback. Payback. Okay, so we've got our giant. That didn't take long. They got him. Oh, and it's no. Richard Bay. Of course, it's Bay. You know he's been he's been thirsting to get Bobby behind bars. Now, you know, before we get into this, because I've got such a bug up my ass about this sound cue in the previously on, which is a little ambiguous because they used a different set up for when they revealed the head to Bobby. Mm -hmm. So they actually had used different footage as if it had happened before. It was a little little ambiguous. But they used this cue. Now, if you remember, I talked a couple, uh, last season, it's happened a couple of times about that cue of a woman on the cop radio that you hear in a gazillion TV shows. Endlessly. This is actually the third time it's been on the practice. And in fact, if you listen to this exact cue, it was in this alt footage in a different context. So this was last episode. I understand why 
right? Then in the previously on this week, now we have a helicopter going over. Which we heard Same. with with, uh, with New Kids on the Block. That was we also that heard one. it on New Kids on the Block. Yes. So, uh, folks, when you're listening to TV, listen for this. You're going to hear it all the time now. All right. Anyway, I, I I don't think anybody else in the world cares about that except for me. But like, no, I, guess I what? constantly hear it on Pluto TV. Just last night, Keith, as I was couldn't sleep and watching Pluto TV and cycling through, mm-hmm. I was watching both American Gladiators once again, the terrible 2008 reboot with Hulk Hogan and uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter. Interesting, we saw Ali earlier on New Year's footage. Mm-hmm. Uh. Guess what was on? Cops. And guess what ha- What sound cue plays directly before the mm, bad boys, what you want? Well, go ahead and play it again. Here it is. Bad boys, what bad you boys. want? What you gonna do? Where sugar don't, don't come for you? I, I think it's got to be an inside joke with sound designers. I, I'd ask Sean, but he was exclusively sci-fi. Uh, because like you hear it, it's like the Wilhelm scream. Like it is in everything. Anyway, whatever. Uh, practice. Spe- speaking Bobby's of Sean, in- I will say I, I I was watching a I fell asleep to a TNG episode the other week, and I just took a random screenshot of a random episode of TNG, sent it to Keith, and yep. Dan if he didn't quote the whole episode in the text back. <laughs> Hashtag oh. everyone's favorite nerd. Uh, everyone. I Very liberal. This is Bernard Shanley. He's a public defender. Nerd I don't want sense. a public defender. I asked for Bobby Donald. Mr. Neal, I'm going to advise you to just listen now. You because... listen. Beat it. Shut up, Alan, and just don't talk for a second. Oh, Richard Bay looks like a pig in shit. You have a problem, Alan. The man you killed the Jeremy Roberts was a bit of a security freak. He had cameras. One of them picked you up entering his house. He also managed to activate his phone machine, which partially recorded an exchange between you two. Uh-oh. You picked the wrong girl to terrorize. Bobby Dowell's a friend of mine. We got kind of an arrangement going. I kill people, he gets me off. Over the years... Why would you give this much exposition to the guy you're about to scare? I have a silent alarm. The police are on their way as I speak. Then I better not waste time. Before you touch me, you should know. I have cooties. Oh, you're a funny boy. Please? You have exceeded the time. See, Alan? I don't think Bobby Donald is the lawyer you want to be calling. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, that, uh... See, there it is. So Bobby has already been implicated in this. Plus, we heard an uncredited cameo for Michael Emerson. I I just don't think this was well thought out by Bobby or this guy. Well, you know what it was? It was Bobby was sort of... He did like the cramming for the test because Mm. he ignored this whole situation and the stalker trying to kill his wife for so long. And then he's like, oh shit, I should do something. And then wildly overdoes it. Especially the guy he got off for murder. And the guy admits he's a murderer. And of course he does it on tape. I, I murder people. Bobby gets me off. Uh. <laughs> hey, look, you know, bad guys got a monologue, man. If I'm ever a bad guy, I got a monologue and explain everything like a Bond villain. 
Or Spader. Maybe Spader is the defense oh, attorney for Bobby? I didn't. Oh, Good question. On. I haven't seen his name. What about though. that? That I found. Is that They're all feeling Lindsay's stomach. How come you never asked to feel my stomach? Don't start with me, Eleanor. Bobby. It's an awkward Eleanor. interaction. Yeah, it was so awkward. I couldn't even come what up with something to say. He's been arrested for William Hink's murder. Wow, she sure got a lot of that in a very brief arrested comment on the phone. Last night. They got him in lockup. He's being arraigned at nine o'clock. How did she get all that from the phone? That was a no. There wasn't enough time to say all that. Well, we didn't hear it ring. She might have been on the phone the whole time. Okay. All right. So Bobby's in to visit. Do we know this? This character has a name. Alan Neal. Okay, Alan. Bobby, calm down. Bobby, they know. They got it on tape. Keep your voice down. He had some recorder thing going. Who? Hinks. The guy you had me whack? Hey, I didn't have you. They got it on tape, man. Alan, calm down. They want me to turn state against you. What? They got me on tape, Hal. You know, you sent me. Who wants you to turn state? The cops and that midget DA. Bobby, they got us both. What exactly do they have on tape? Me telling Hinks that you sent me. All right. First, I never sent you to kill him. Oh, come on. I said scare him. Now, come on, Bobby. I never said... Look, we're in deep here. If you're going to turn against me... I'm not turning against you. I'm okay, just... okay. We need each other. We're in trouble. So look, let's just get on the same page here and admit that you had me kill the guy. Uh... <laughs> not sure how that serves Bobby, but... What? Yeah. I did not... Have you kill him? Now, to Bobby's credit, he did explicitly say, I'm "Don't kill him." On. He did. He did. Sorry, I, we won't talk about it, but I just need it. Did you watch the finale of Middle Beach Murder at Middle Beach last night? No, not yet. Oh. Don't don't tell me about it. So, guard. So Bobby, I think in this moment, clearly figured out that he's wired. Bobby Donald, what's going on? I'm sorry. Mike, you're under arrest for the murder of William Hicks. We're going to go the right full to remain silent. bad guy on Anything Richard Bay now, can and will be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. So this is monumental, right? We've had this, plenty of them in contempt of court, but this is the first official major arrest for murder. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bobby's second arrest for murder, technically. <laughs> he was previously arrested for killing a whole bunch of cops. This is not even our cast members' only arrest for murder. Helen also actually murdered somebody, and Eleanor was also arrested for first-degree murder. <laughs> get that, uh, get your calls into Bobby, Donald, Frut, Lindsay, and Eugene as they're giving a 25% off murder-free week. It just happened. He's being arraigned this afternoon. I'm on my way. I'm going to. No, Lindsay, you. He's my husband. I'm certainly entitled. You're seven months pregnant. So what? He's right, Lindsay. Eleanor. You don't want to stress yourself into miscarrying. Oh, shit. Stay here. I'll call you. Jimmy, come on. 
Garen? Hey, Beck. Can I talk? Keith, did we discuss this already? But um, somebody brought it up the other day who also is... Uh, I forget how they're connected with Cameron, but... Uh, she. And long story short, she actually had... Uh, what. Well, uh, had a child around this time. I think what I'm getting at is I think she's actually pregnant right now. Who, Cameron? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think she is. That was, and, that was cutting insight by me. Thank you. Whew, there Thank it you is. Well. But uh, guess what? Uh, somebody who knows one of our clients just walked into the room, an old friend of Rebecca. Who did she horribly decapitate? <laughs> just an old an old friend. Yeah, an old Can friend. You, never a good oh, sign. Sure. Is everything okay? I think Probably I'd like not. to hire you. Are you free? I'd love a supercut of all the old friends just casually walking fault, into Rebecca. the. Why shouldn't they take responsibility? I'm a widow because it's of called them. Maybe the TV should. show, The Practice. But to hold an employer liable for an employee suicide. They worked him so hard. They verbally abused him. And Law firms push associates all the time. They all work long hours. This went beyond that. We both know Keith suffered from depression, which they were responsible for. I know. You have well, to talk do any about it. Say that. Look, Rebecca, you're my friend. If you won't yeah. help Old me, friend. of course, I'll help you. I'm just Family saying friend. that your husband suffered from a pre-existing mental. That law firm drove him to suicide, and I want to sue them. Was it foreseeable to you that Keith was going to take his life? No. Then how do we really argue it should have been foreseeable to them? Please. I just need to do this. They... I need your help. All right, let's do it. All right, let me set up Old friend of Rebecca's husband asked my name and died of suicide. But she had no inclination that he was going to commit suicide, in case you're wondering, and so was Rebecca. This woman is played by Diane Delacio from Mrs. Who from Murder She Wrote, Walker, Texas Ranger, Jag, and she played Rianne in In Civilization on Star Trek Enterprise. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. I think she, uh, I, if I remember correctly, I think she did it with Captain Jonathan Archer. Mm. So that's something. At least it was implied. I'd like to file a complaint contemporaneously with the meeting. Let them know we're serious about this. Well, first let me no. meet. Just file the complaint. Sci-fi then we'll meet with them and go from thirsty. there. Please. <laughs> it can just be boilerplate, but it'll send a message. I'm like a sci-fi quenched if okay. I'm uh, reading between the lines. But I have to tell you, Karen, I'm only doing this out of our friendship as a lawyer. I don't see much merit in she this. She got case. to see his they number one. Killed him, Rebecca. <laughs> they drove him to take his life. It only lasted four seasons instead of seven. <laughs> I guess they're going solicitation. I kind of went into shock when he was reading me. Wait a second. All right, we got Eugene really did kill and Jimmy, him. okay. Yes. And how do they connect it to you? I met with Alan the night before. I told him to scare Hanks. So what do you basically, mean you, told him to scare him? you did it. I just scare Hinks. Yes, Hinks. At he least killed Bobby's his being truthful. He was threatening Lindsay. I told Alan to put the fear of God in him. And now Alan is evidently claiming that I asked him to kill Hinks. He was wearing a wire. I think he's made some kind of deal. And now they're after me. 
Yeah, cause you kinda did it, Bobby. Case 32899, Commonwealth versus Robert Donald. How many seasons are there? Entering with intent to commit Eight? felonious assault. What the hell are we gonna do? to commit murder <laughs> and felony murder, and murder in the first degree. Eugene Young for the defendant. We yeah. enter a plea of not guilty on all counts. I also ask that my client be released on his own recognizance. Given the severity of the charges, the Commonwealth opposed. Uh, this is Eugene. I, I would like to uh, enter a plea of not guilty and pretty pissed off, if I'm being quite honest. Well, you know, bail. that's what he He's does. He's not a flight risk, nor is he a threat to society. Unless you get him mad. I don't find that funny. Obviously, Mr. Donald has strong roots in the community. He's a respected member of the bar. Well, I don't know to which bar my colleague is referring. Big blurred out fan. I'm setting him. bail at a hundred thousand, ten thousand bond. Let's go. All right, let's let's do both Anything of these. <laughs> Why it's James Karen back as Judge Knapp. But while we're at it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. <laughs> The lead DA prosecuting Bobby is played by Stephen Flynn from Ally McBeal, The West Wing, X-Files, Firefly, Lincoln, Heights, Justified, and on Enterprise as well, he was Mac Lee in Marauders. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. But I do not believe he banged any of our cast members. He also spent a little extra time in the makeup trailer for this episode, it appears. Adjourn. Richard Bay looks way too smug. Like, relax, buddy. We'll get the bail posted. It'll take about an hour. Okay. Hey. You okay? No. Yeah. Uh, you know. We gotta take him. I'm if I'm being frank. I don't think that would be. Yeah. don't think that. I'm going. Yeah, sure, Even because... You hear the counts? Lindsay yeah. can boss around the cops. Just sure. solicitation. The charging first degree. Ah, the old first-degree murder. Okay, four o'clock. I appreciate that. Thank you. See you then. Maybe we should have just listened to Lindsay and and pursued, uh, you know, what was it, corporate law she wanted to do? Let's just, we should have stuck down that lane. We'd probably be in a better place. Also could have uh, taken her concerns seriously earlier, uh, actually gotten the security that they claimed to... Uh, we're going to get, never did. You know, there's a lot of things that could have happened that would have prevented this. Well, you know, meanwhile, uh, Lucy's like, yeah, remember that uh, Peeping Tom VHS that broke into my apartment? We uh, could have taken security seriously then, but uh, I guess not. Yep, uh, yep, CEO yep. Jen is here. CEO Jen, uh, Jennifer Masanova wrote in and sent me a cameo from the Cleveland, uh, what was the zoo? zoo. The Columbus Zoo. Columbus, uh, yeah. We got a, a, we talked to a sloth and to a cheetah. I'll show you later. Okay. Yeah, really fun. That's awesome. See how cool. There's a surprise. He's coming here. Who? The managing partner of the law firm. Karen wants me to sue. Rebecca, don't get me wrong. I love the underdog, but she's a friend. She wants to do it. Maybe I can scare up some nuisance change. Who knows? It's always a good way to. Set up a story. Ah, like it's, it's not going to be anything. How'd it go? Not great. <laughs> Obviously, it all comes down to the credibility of Mr. Neal. The reason for this assemblage 
I do not want this one slipping away. Robert Donnell is an enemy to this department. Three years ago, he tipped off his drug clients to an upcoming police raid, which led to the shooting death of two officers. And it and the all comes home to roost. Yeah, the first time he was charged with murder. He has routinely manipulated the judicial process to prevent murderers from being incarcerated. That's true, but it makes a good TV show. And he has embarrassed he us all. He also stretched my forehead to as far an as this office size. is concerned. <laughs> this prosecution is payback. And that was the newest hit, Five Head, by the Out of Practice <laughs> podcast. Now you will all be assigned specific roles. Excuse me. Yes. Nobody wants to beat Bobby Donald more than I do, but this thing being politicized. I beg your pardon. But that's where you draw the line, It's one thing Rich? to charge him on the facts of this case. But his previous history with the department should have no bearing on this prosecution. And I think a departmental vendetta... That's not what this is. It sure sounds like it. Holy crap! <clears throat> Bay is the Bobby good Donald's guy. previous history with this department is only relevant to the extent that it will be played up in the press. Given the added attention to this case, I'm concerned from a public relations standpoint. And therefore, I think it's important that we all do a good job. That's not what you said, Martin. That's what I'm saying now, Richard. May I continue? Why didn't you tell me? Please don't start. I'm not trying to start, Bobby, but... You bring this Neil guy in, you tell him to scare Hinks, Hinks ends up dead, and you say nothing to me? It had to have been eating you. Yeah, you when think? It, when it should have been eating me. It should have been doing pretty much anything other than what he did. I mean, you know, it's a good point. Like, look, we could debate whether it's a good idea to have a man go scare the person who's stalking your wife. But you are it's not just your wife. It's your pregnant wife. Talk about like should have being moved up. The it, Bruce Davidson was above your pregnant wife being stalked by a serial killer. I, it's it's unconscionable. The whole, Keith. It, the whole thing makes no sense. Like Bobby's behavior, he's been batshit Bobby all season. It makes no sense. They're like, you and, know, we need to, you know, David e. Kelly's. What I would like to know the creative meeting that was like, guys, the best thing. Look. We're really running ourselves into the ground with this Bruce Davidson thing. It's not going well, but we've got this incredible... Michael Emerson's here. It's an incredible character. We really right. could save the season with this. So proud of this character, yeah. And then, and then, like, the, the intern raises his hand. Uh, hi, I'm Steve, uh, the intern. I've got a radical idea here. Hi, Steve. Yeah, that's no, hey, here. Hey, i just like to pitch it. Maybe uh, instead of saving the season, we just kill this cool character, Hinks, uh -huh. but make do it and then we can spend a ton of episodes just having Bobby on trial for murder rather than explore this cool character with an arc that actually could go somewhere what do you think oh oh I like it I like it yeah yeah I'm I don't know why we're listening to interns I feel like only David E Kelly writes anything here but uh, I'm not just an intern I'm actually uh second cousins with um uh, David Spader and uh, he's looking for work so I was just you know hoping that maybe we could like really destroy the character of Bobby Donald so that we could bring him in now, David Spader, is that the child of David Spade and James Spader? Are you? <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, that's just what his friends call him. It's actually James Spader, but we, we call him David Spader <laughs> because 
Uh, it's a long story, but I'm hoping that in the future there'll be a podcast where one of the hosts can just butcher his name every time he comes up. But, you know, that's just a different plot line entirely. Great, great. Well, you know, butchering names is sort of what you do. Yeah, thank you for taking place in this absolutely horrific audio sketch. <laughs> can I have a second with him? Sure. Why well, should I know what the hell's going on? Well, Bobby's way too pretty for prison, by the way. Oh, definitely. It's also not great to pursue because there's no way Bobby's going to be found guilty of murder. So, twenty years. So it takes a lot of the sort of tension out of it. Against me. Yeah. I'm yeah. bringing a motion to kick a couple Could of counts. Could lose all his family and friends. Though. The most serious being felony murder. That's where you're the most vulnerable. Felony murder? How can they charge that? Breaking and entering. Oh, please, that can't stand. Well, if it does, you're in trouble, and I don't need to tell you that. I'm going to say this once because I have to say it once, then I'll move on. You're sending a known criminal, a murderer no less, to visit Hinks was perhaps the dumbest thing I've ever known you to do. You put yourself Thank at you. risk. You jeopardized this firm. Now, I, I know you were acting as a worried husband, but Bobby, was if he? stupidity were a crime, your ass would be serving life. Agreed. Thank you, Eugene. Play the, play the applause bumper. Now. Let me, in fact, let me, let's hear that again. Bobby, if stupidity were a crime, your ass would be serving life. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Bobby? No. Okay. Nothing to say. Let's turn to you. What can he say? He's been an idiot. Before we get to that, Eugene, I'm about to have a baby. I'm going on trial for murder. I'm in no position. Will you raise my baby if I go to prison? I should say condition mm-hmm. to be running this firm. I won't be till this thing is over. What is he gonna make him I'm take over? I'm appointing you pro tem senior partner. We don't need to talk about that. Yes, we yeah. do. Yeah, you kinda do. This firm more than ever needs strong leadership. And at the moment, I can't provide it. Now, I need to check your skills. Do you ha- are you very bad at uh, data entry because uh, we have a a reputation for 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 misspellings on our patients. Very sloppy payroll. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got to say like finally Bobby here is making intelligent rational decisions again. It was like this episode he caught on to the guy that was he had a wire on him, and now he's making rational decisions here. It's almost like the only thing that could snap Bobby out of his, like, season malaise is murdering somebody. But I'm really happy to see Bobby back here. And I'll and I'll say this while we're stopped. Like, this storyline, I really like. Like, I, I think the A to B to C makes sense for the first time a little bit. Like, I could see how this mistake happens. I could see how they how he gets charged like this. And I like the stakes because of course we're always talking about how these murder trials over and over and over again, the stakes seem low because one of our main characters isn't involved. And we've been, 
we've put our main characters in a lot of peril and accused them of murder like a hundred times, but this is the first one that actually makes sense to mm -hmm. me, both from the standpoint of like, I could see how Bobby would do this. Bobby McRambo would make this sort of rash, stupid decision. And I could see why the DAs would be prosecuting him in this way. I like it. This actually feels like it has the stakes that are s at least somewhat justified. Yeah, it's, and it's also interesting in that, you know, it's sort of, it's a bit of a payoff. Look, we still will never get to understand why he was so invested with Bruce Davidson. However, regardless of what, the why, his his journey from normal Bobby to like super out of control Bobby was well documented and we right. followed it the whole way over many episodes. So clearly the place he was at when he took this rash action is understood. I don't want to say justified, but understood at least. And look, we've talked, we've split this hair many times during this show. Being stupid doesn't necessarily, doesn't make you a murderer. We know for, he did not ask this guy to murder the guy. And what no. he's being charged with is first degree conspiracy to commit murder. Right. And first so, degree murder. So he's not guilty. He's not guilty of that count. There might Correct. be other counts that I think he could be reasonably guilty of. But they didn't bring but, him up on those. Yeah, well, there it is. So if so. you uh, should have used the third degree. I'm not passing on a title here. I'm just assigning responsibility. Okay. I worked all the associates. We were doing massive class action. You worked Keith in a way. Karen? Oh, Banish, guys. I obviously know what it's like to work All you folks out there, you, you recognize that voice. With all respect to your practice, you have no experience with class action product. There's a reason that there is Q2 on this episode because... Guy that Rebecca's old friend is suing! You. It is John DeLancey, who of course is Q from Star Trek, and he's back as a different character, and I can't <laughs> conceive, I cannot conceive of a television show worth its salt who would expect us not to realize Q is back as a different character, but at least we get to play the... <laughs> It's our best bumper! How in God's name did they try to sneak John DeLancey past us twice? I don't understand, but always a welcome person. And thus explains Q2, which was an episode of Voyager. Liability work. Keith was on a toxic waste case involving 3,200 plaintiffs. This kind of- I understand that. And I know associates are expected to put in long hours, but mm. you also know, sir, the eggshell doctrine. Meaning? And the meaning you take doctrine? your plaintiffs as you find them. And the fact that Keith had an underlying psychological condition is not a complete defense. Look, 
Rebecca's I been loved. studying. Oh, please. Whether you want to believe that, Karen, I did. And his death was shocking to all of us. But we never, ever verbally abused him. Did you call him at one in the morning? Yes, but that's the job. He asked for time off the week before his death. You wouldn't It was be also a week before the trial. I, I couldn't. All right, look. Mr. Banish, we're not blaming you for Keith's death. I am. Karen. 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 We're saying a lot of facts. Maybe that's who your show's about tonight. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Work, the long hours, those were some of the factors. Actually, uh, the girl we're playing Karen, I think you, you know, do you know Lynn Craig? I think you do. Oh, Aaron Craig? Lynn Craig. No, I know Aaron Craig. I don't know Lynn Craig. Richard. Listen, I thought about what you said, and while I agree, it would be wrong to politicize this. It's also probably overkill to assemble a big army of district attorneys, so I'm scaling it down. You're fired. You're no longer on the case. We'll have you reassigned. Thanks for your work thus far. This guy works like the Trump administration. I'm off the case because I don't like what you're doing. Again. Also, you're very short. Thank involved, you for your so work you, today. This is why you're out. Mm-hmm. Wait, so now what's the maybe it's Richard Bay's payback? Is he gonna go work for Bobby? First priority. We need to kick the felony murder. I charge. don't know. If that counts stands, not being, all they really need to he's prove a good is guy that Bobby now. sent Neil to break into Hinks' house. It's no defense that he didn't intend for Hinks to be killed. This count must be dismissed. Eleanor. I'm already on it. Second. Privilege. This is huge. We have to go after Neil's credibility. Unfortunately, a lot of stuff we have on him we learned through attorney-client privilege. Now we need to be able to use it. Lindsay? Got it. Dude, Third. I love General Neil manslaughter. I, I'm not sure you can tag conspiracy Literally wrote down the same thing. Bobby, you just read from my notes. Why don't you research Did you say general? That? There's no reason we can't put you I in said one. in control, but Thanks. basically, yeah. Fourth. This firm. We're in trouble. We may be a partnership, but the face of this place is Bobby. Even if we beat this, our reputation has taken a big hit. Clients may want to bail on us. Potential clients will be less likely to come. I want to retain a publicist. That could be expensive, but we need to do it. Also, we have two partners about to have babies. We need to hire. As of now, we have a hiring committee. Eleanor, Lindsay, co-chair. Time sheets. We do them now. <laughs> I just said we both have... of them wrong. Yeah, you've said all of the names wrong. I said, did I say it's Dennis Spader and <laughs> Denny Craig? Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. I'm a host of this. Sh I host this podcast. I I don't know. I think your brain might need to go on a Denny Craig diet right now. Clients yeah. will be looking for us to fall apart. <laughs> this organization, any. This organization will fuel that perception. I guess I'm the sloth, it turns out. Walter Banish is here. <laughs> Mr. Banish. Oh, Q's back. Q. Hello. We're going to keep saying Look, your new name. I still contest any liability in our part. But the negative publicity of a lawsuit, I don't want it out there that we're a sweatshop. So I'm willing to make an offer to make this go away. One time offer, take it or leave it. Okay, what is it? $500,000. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Payable right? now. Payable upon signing the release, yes. And a complete confidentiality agreement. Well, I will uh, take it to my client and let you know tomorrow. 
Good poker face, Rebecca. Thank you. No, thank you. Good night. It, it's not it, that it, good. It, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even have to see it. You could hear it. Back? You remember my suicide case? Wrongful death? No merits. Yeah, it was your friend. Nuisance change just came in. Five hundred thousand dollars. What? What are we missing? That's such a good like take from like Cameron had to fill in the commercial there. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have a line. She just had to make like three different faces while they faded out. It was it's like good soap opera acting. They just like zooming on your face. They probably filmed like ninety seconds past that as well. Well, yeah, no, exactly. At least in this case, like faces. They had an intent, like in soap operas. They don't even like just make a just react, make a a mysterious face, and then we'll write a story around it later. But there's a lynch mob mentality going on, which is bogus. They don't really think Bobby ordered a hit, do they? It doesn't matter. They're out to get him, and they think he was at least reckless, which is all they may need to prove. Helen? Not for murder, is it? Lindsay, make it go away. Lindsay, I'm not sure. He's not a murderer. I'm calling in a favor. Make it go away. Lindsay, he I banged can't. 66% of his room. Upstairs, Helen, do whatever you have to do, <laughs> but make it go away. It's odd that it took her that long to get to Helen. Yeah. Like, she's. this happened like eight hours ago. All right, so in the scene here, we see Lindsay examining her her belly. So unless this is a world-class prosthetic, Kelly Williams is also pregnant in real life. Everybody's pregnant in the weekend. Bobby's wearing PJs from my gramps. <laughs> what? It's a very award-winning and fertile cast. Do you think they just like wanted us to know she was really pregnant? I I don't know. It's an odd like we get it. We know she's pregnant. I'm now I got now I have to Google how old are Kelly Williams' children? I'm gonna guess I about so uh that really about 21 years. You. And the reason I didn't tell you is because I know this is not the kind of stress you need right now. Bobby, I'm your wife. Yeah, and maybe as opposed to ignoring the serial killer after me and then hiring a hitman, why don't we make a plan together? You can actually not you can pay any attention to me. Not for nothing, Keith. Yeah. We don't find out how old her children was, but this is what Wikipedia has for her personal under personal life. Uh-huh. Kelly Williams was married to author A.J. Chagall from 1996 to 2017. Okay. Uh, The couple has three children. She told Mary Claire that she got breast implants when she was 19 and had them removed when she was 22. She speaks English, French, and Spanish. That's it. That's all we get. That's a fair amount of information. Yeah, but we can't, we cannot, what I'm getting at is we cannot glean uh, how old Well, I don't, 
Well, I'm guessing one of them is about 21 years old because there's no way ABC would pay for like Oscar worthy, worthy prosthetics there. We have a motion to dismiss the felony murder count. But if they had, if you they would have been like, we're putting a whole scene where you got no shirt on because people are going to see that money. Yeah, fair enough. Lindsay, their whole case is the word of a career criminal. They can't satisfy the burden with that. They just can't. It is odd. It is a, I, I hope she was okay so with this scene. Because if not, it's pretty we'll skeezy. This, Bobby. We'll put the whole firm on it if we have to. Yes, we'll try not to have you incarcerated for murder. Yes, good. Very, very reassuring. He just had another long take into commercial. That's fantastic. Yeah, I thought you'd be pleased. Well, I guess he admits he's responsible after all. Mm -mm. I can't quite believe it, but thank you so much, Rebecca. You have no idea how much I could use this money to. And I'll get it today when I sign the confidentiality agreement. I, I could also use a half a million dollars. I never mentioned any confidentiality agreement. How'd you? Oh, shit. Oh, Rebecca, put it together. They're working in cahoots. But I, let, let me be honest, Keith. I, I may sometimes act as if I have a conscience, but mm -hmm. if you need me to omit any sort of information or forget something for half a mil, I'm your guy. Oh, okay. So that, that your price is half a mil. What if it were like, what, what if it were like $100? Well, I mean... It's a sliding scale, so it depends on what it is I need to forget. Truth be told, I forget most everything anyway for free. So, okay, I'll, it would yeah, have to be no, something I, I memorable like enough I, that I actually remember it in order to have to forget it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that would be. It have to be quite the investment because I, I I feel like I'm probably safe. The statute of limitations on your memory is like a goldfish. Yeah, well, I'll tell you honestly. When Jen came in and I was trying to remember what the two animals were in that video, I forgot one of the two. Woman, hard. tree, car, cheetah, television, sloth. cheetah. <laughs> you know about that? Oh, well, I'm assuming. My husband was a lawyer back. I know how they... I also wanted to mention, I forgot to bring it up in our intro chat, that I reached out to you earlier when we did, we're going to talk about when to shoot, and Keith just went, let's do Monday stuff. Like, we, we've truncated our conversations down to single text words. Not like, hey, I got some shit came up about the house, X, Y, Z. It's just stuff. <laughs> These things work. I'm assuming the settlement will be sealed. Well, why don't you fill me in on how things work, Karen? Shit. Or how they're working here. I'm Rebecca sorry. Rebecca is getting taken Nobody for a loopy loop. Nobody $500,000 after one meeting. No discovery even. He just says, okay, here's a check. What's going on? I might ask the same question. Don't lie to me. We've been friends a long time, and you tapped into that friendship to get me to represent you here. Welcome to Bobby's world. Be straight with me, Karen, or I'll start asking my questions in other places. Yes. Rebecca-dy. She finally, A, gets to be in the episode, but is, like, <laughs> not involved with the fact that Bobby's going to jail for first-degree murder. Walter Banish embezzled a lot of money from client trust funds, and Keith went along with it. And his guilt, I'm convinced, contributed to his depression. Literally every time in this episode that Q's character has been mentioned, it's first and last name. Every time. 
question. Well, but, and to, to be Vash fair, that's also true when we say my Q. Husband's suicide and I wanted to be compensated. He only has one name, it's like Madonna. So why didn't he just pay you off then? He said, it sounds like you're accusing me of wrongful death. Perhaps you should sue the firm and then we'll settle the matter. He needed to be sued to get his firm to pay the money. And that's why you insisted I drop a complaint and file it. So he basically could defraud his own partners. Not basically. Karen, this is extortion. I won't be part of it. Excuse me, Rebecca, but you're not a part of anything but a legitimate lawsuit. I went to Mr. Banish, and he advised me I'd have to sue him before he'd give me a nickel, and I did sue him. And we've settled the matter. You have no evidence of extortion. Karen! Please notify Mr. Banish I accept his offer. And collect your hefty, hefty... By the way... Like 35%, yeah? No need to yeah. thank me for the easiest contingency you've ever earned in your life. Over $150,000 for one day's work. Yeah. You're welcome. Damn. Meanwhile, you know what I do for my friends? We went to play, uh, we had an outdoor brunch yesterday with my buddies, and I brought ginger cookies. And at the end, whatever was left, I took those goddamn cookies back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he didn't, you know, there murder no anybody, legal extort basis anybody. For the charge of felony murder. Breaking and entering a dwelling to commit a felonious assault is a sufficient predicate to felony murder. There's case law to charge the person who did the actual breaking and entering. There is absolutely no case law charging the alleged accessory with felony murder. Any person can be charged as an accessory to any felony. Yes, well, no one ever has under these circumstances. And suddenly, with Bobby Donald... Even if Bobby Donald did not conspire to kill William Hinks, he gave Mr. Neal William Hinks's address and dispatched him to his home. Mr. Neal broke into that home. A murder resulting from a breaking and entering is the exact scenario the legislature had in mind when passing the felony murder rule. There is no evidence that my client was a part of any breaking and entering. We have a statement from the actual killer. That would be considered evidence. Your Honor, they know they can't prove this crime. They can't show intent. So the prosecution is charging felony murder to circumvent their burden of proof. I'm yes, not sure so they Unless I'm missing they something, that to. is one of the very reasons we have the felony murder rule. To lower the prosecution's burden. If you look at all the cases where this rule has been applied... The function of the court is not is to look There is no at predicate felony to support these charges. This amounts to selective prosecution against a defense attorney there they don't like. There is absolutely no evidence of selective prosecution in this case. And as for a predicate felony, you've got several. Aiding and abetting a felonious assault, breaking and entering... Bobby Donald's wife was being threatened. He Irrelevant. sent Alan Neal to scare Mr. Hanks to warn him. Alan Neal committed a supervening act of murder, and now the prosecution is using the felony murder rule as a means to get Bobby Donald. That is what is going on. That's what's going on. Bobby Donald sent a known killer on? out to threaten a man. What's going on? Is it really unforeseeable that a murder happened? No, it's not. All right, so here's, here's my question. Break it down, Keith. Or at least my observation, because if you're driving a getaway car to a holdup at a liquor store, okay, and somebody is murdered, like it goes sideways, and somebody's murdered as a result of that, even though you were not the person who pulled the trigger, 
even though you were not, no one intended there to be a murder as a result of this holdup, the person driving the getaway car is equally liable in the law, including for that murder, because it was done as part of the commission of a crime. And in this case, it seems like Bobby then would be in the same way culpable if what Bobby had the guy do was in itself a crime. So if right. he, if Bobby was responsible for him breaking and entering, then he is responsible for the murder. And I think where it gets a little fuzzy is because Bobby just said, scare him and gave him the address. He didn't specifically say break in, but is having somebody threaten somebody a crime in itself, in which case he probably would be liable for the murder, right? Yeah, well, I guess I guess we're going to find out. I mean, he didn't say scare him even. It was more severe. He said put the fear of God in him. Didn't is that what he said? I yeah, he did. He, he did. So I think Bobby a little bit might be uh, dead to rights here. All right. Keith says guilty. Mike is undecided. Did he roll? Not yet. To be fair, most accessories to murder aren't as dreamy as Bobby, and that really, you know, that's true. That that might be while you're while you're on the fence. I'm sorry, Bobby. You did fine, Eleanor. I got my ass kicked. Let's just admit it. I just got my ass kicked. He took it under advisement. Anything can happen. Um, listen, I have a little problem myself. My $500,000 settlement, I think it was the result of extortion. How so? Well, seems my client's husband and the partner of his law firm were involved in some sort of embezzlement scheme. Karen, my client, tried to extort Banish. Well, he basically steered her to sue his law firm so that all the partners would have to pay her. I was used as a pawn. You know this for sure. Well, I know the embezzlement went on for sure. My client denies the lawsuit is anything but legitimate, but it's just, it's too suspicious. She demands to file a complaint. The defendant then makes an offer with no discovery whatsoever. It's just way too suspicious. And what's your problem? Ah! What's my problem? You have to ask me what's my problem? Uh, unless you have proof the lawsuit is bogus, do you? No. Well, then accept the offer and be done with it. Excuse me? Well, if you do anything to queer the settlement, your client can have an action against us for the full amount. This is not a money thing, Eugene. No, it's a legal thing, Rebecca. As I understand it, you sued under the theory of wrongful death. The defendant is settling under that theory, except... But it's not that simple. We do not oh, need I'm, to be I'm sued sorry. by a client are, at this Are you some sort of a, a like a, a mythical, fictional creature whose job it is to help us with our moral quandaries? Yeah, are you playing the fiddle with your legs? Hmm, hmm. Are you helping me become a real boy by making me less of a douchebag? <laughs> is my <laughs> nose growing because I'm full of shit? <laughs> Tom, Rebecca. Do you have specific knowledge that the lawsuit is bogus? Am I an old Italian man carving a wooden puppet? No. Is your client instructing you to accept <laughs> the terms to of the settlement? Hoping to turn it into a real boy? Yeah. 
for reasons unexplored. Then that's exactly the, what you do. Growing things. It's gets. Oh god, we, we're, it's getting real hinky here. Pinocchio, no. Fine. <laughs> Martin. Helen. What's with the summons? Oh, all the witnesses are getting them. Even those we can expect to be caught. Yeah, anyone who banged Bobby is getting a, a summons. At all? Well, Helen, Lindsay oh, Dole boy, is a friend. She asked be a long you to episode. pay a visit to William Hanks to threaten him. It has no relevance to Bobby Donald's actions. Perhaps not, but you'll allow me to be curious. I'm not going to be a prosecutorial witness again. Miss Gamble, was that you banging on the floor? I was more grabbing than banging, but yeah. You were supposed to say it wasn't me. I was doing I was doing a whole thing, and I go. Uh, oh, do it again. Uh, uh, Ms. Gamble, were you and Bobby Donald banging on the bathroom? It it, it it wasn't it wasn't me. Did you do it on a sofa? Uh, it also was not me. Did you have to move the spare tie? Uh, it was it was it was not me. Bobby uh, uh, I wouldn't I did call not on go you well. to do anything but tell the truth. <laughs> yes, well, experience, I'm sorry, Shaggy. I'm sure tells you that even the most neutral witness finds a way to get in. And what we have there bias. is a compelled Maybe. witness who was cooperative is by law. <laughs> you don't want me on the stand. Trust me. Yeah. Thanks for the warning. When I do call I you, Helen, do you, I'll be sure to declare you a hostile witness. Was that supposed to be as sexual as it ended up being? That interaction? We were just doing improv, man. No, no. The public defender <laughs> representing Alan Neal is Bernard Shanley. Two years out of law school. The DA. You know, the, the last review that came into uh, <laughs> Apple Reviews was uh, there's just, just so much sexual chemistry between Keith and Mike. I don't, I, we don't know what to do. <laughs> Can we give it six stars? <laughs> he must love him. Hey, CEO Jen, are you listening in the car right now? Reputation for a kid, but he's a kid. <laughs> we never saw her again. Find this kid? She got that <laughs> Honda Fit and left. Usually at arraignments, taking assignments. Could visit him there. Oh, that That's funny. what I think I'll do. Oh, you two Cue's came back together, again. did you? We came up on the same elevator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, see. Oh, they're banging. Well, if we That's how you can tell they. Uh, I'll give you a check. The chemistry is good. They came together. Rebecca. We can go in the conference room. So are we, like, thinking they're, they might also be having an affair? Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, there's a sad piano riff. Sad piano. Sad piano. Excuse me. Do you know which one is Bernard Excuse Shanley? Excuse me, random bailiff extra who we can't give a line, so he's just got a point? No. Uh, Mr. Shanley? Eugene Young, how you The doing? first three takes, he's Fine. like, yup. Like, no, Likewise. cut. Uh, could I steal a second? All I really want to do is talk. This is Christopher Evan Welch. I just can't advise that. Good eyes, what? As the hitman's public defender. He studied at the John Travolta Butchin School of Acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well... Until he signs his proffer, I don't want to do anything to screw up the plea. Manslaughter, 20 years. Uh, can I ask, why'd you advise him to go for that? Well, they have videotape of his going in, audio tape of the attack. 
I understand, but his going in proves nothing, and the you might audio know him tape, from Silicon Valley. Uh, well, I, I haven't heard it yet. I have. You can actually hear the beginning of the attack. Even so, can we be absolutely sure how the attack began? Is it possible Mr. Hinks rushed him? Didn't sound like it. Didn't sound like it. I asked, is it possible? Are you cross-examining me? Well, I, I don't mean to, but if there is that possibility... Let's face it, Bernard. William Hinks was a serial killer. The idea that he might have tried to kill Alan Neal is not beyond... That didn't happen. Were you there? Look... What's your point? My point is, for you to jump at manslaughter without so much as considering all these options was bad lawyering, Bernard. And if there's any way you can still wiggle out of the plea bargain... It's a good deal for my client. Bernard, you're young. The last thing you need to do... Please, don't patronize me. I would totally watch a Eugene show. Oh, my God. I mean, even just if if you're watching this scene, it's about 10 minutes before the end of the episode, you just have Eugene power-sitting... Most people stand to have the power in the in the scene. And mm-hmm. then the other guy stood up and he just sort of like spread out and power sat through this scene. I love it. Levels, baby. I'm not trying to patronize you. You are. And then he and immediately stands it. up. You made a mistake. <laughs> if it's impossible to at all undo it, then... Why? To help Bobby Donald? He's not... To help yourself. It's one thing to be thought of as inexperienced. It's quite another to be considered a prosecutorial bag man. Goodbye. Why do you think they asked for you, Bernard? The district attorney singled you out. Why is that? My chin? Mm. I'm not trying to beat you up here, but you're a defense attorney. You're one of us, not them. I have to be on my client's side. Uh, Let me at least talk to him. I I won't screw up your proffer. I just want to... I can't allow that. I can't. Just tell me this then. Is he going to say Bobby directed him to kill Hanks? Or will he just say he got the idea that that's what Bobby wanted? There's nothing equivocal about it. He will say Bobby Donald hired him to kill William Hanks. Oh, fuck. Eugene. Which is a flat out lie. We're in. Say something quippy. Nope. No, no quippiness. All right, so I think that's a good decision by the writers because what you and I have been doing, Keith, is splitting legal hairs, right? Talking about, you know, the accessory thing. But now we've got a big bad. You know, I'm talking in the the fiction world here. We've got a big bad. They're going to lie and they're going to try to bag Bobby, right? Because clearly now it's not about really what did Bobby do. They just want to take him down. So... That gives us, the audience, something to root for. Now we have a reason to root for Bobby because that was ambiguous before. And so that's what yeah. I, I have to commend the writing for that because he is the hero of our tale. So Yeah, no, that that is exactly right. Like, we have to fuck Bobby to root for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I can hear the wheels turning. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go anywhere, but I heard him going. I mean, we're the only people who haven't at this point, but... <laughs> the first issue, whether a defendant may be charged with conspiracy to commit murder when the one actually committing the murder is convicted of manslaughter. The answer is yes. Prosecutors must be given free reign to plea bargain. This falls within their discretion. 
The defendant's motion to dismiss the conspiracy count is therefore denied. I thought Lindsay would be much more a part of this. Second issue, felony murder. As a matter of law, if Mr. Donald directed Mr. Neal to break into the victim's house with the specific intent of assaulting him, Mr. Donald becomes an accessory and both he and Mr. Neal are guilty of felony murder. Whether or not Mr. Donald actually did instruct Mr. Neal, that is a question of fact, not law, and it is therefore a jury question. Fuck. Accordingly, defendant's motion to dismiss the felony murder count is also denied. You'd think Bobby would have covered his ass and recorded the conversation on a flash drive or some shit, right? You'd think Bobby would have done any number of things that would have prevented him from being here, including not do wildly stupid things that had obvious outcomes. Fair. We are adjourned. Okay. We go to work. We get ready to go to trial. Mr. Young, can we get together? What's going on? Lindsay. You have to stop it. You need to calm down. They're going after my husband. Why are they doing this? You need to calm down. Look, I've let them know I'm against it, but there's nothing else I can do. It's out of my hands. Well, thanks, Helen. I've never asked you for a favor. Lindsay, if I could stop it, I would. Trust me. I think this prosecution is out of line, but on the facts, there is a case. Kelly Williams is so good. Why are they Great doing this? Great cry from Kelly Williams. Man, I really want to give Steve Harris this episode, but she is trying. And she's crying. An almost automatic win when you cry. Hey, Lucy. Okay, listen up. Nothing happened today that wasn't expected. We figured it'd go this way. It did. Now we dig in. I dig in. I'm scared. I won't lie about it. But the firm, Eugene, I think, has already demonstrated clearly that he can run this shop and we can be just as strong as ever. We cannot, cannot, cannot let ourselves become demoralized. We have to stay together. I love this Bobby. Where's this Bobby been? Leadership. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to. I find Eugene's leadership thus far to be a little frightening. Shit. Aside from being autocratic, his direction to me to look the other way and rubber stamp a settlement I know was illegal. Rebecca. Bobby, I want to say this to all of you, and I, I know the timing stinks given the situation you're in, and I apologize. But Eugene basically instructed me to go along with extortion. And the reason he did so was fiscal. 
That contingency is something we could use right now. It would be more expedient, let alone more profitable, to turn a blind eye. Oh, get off your high horse, would you, Rebecca? All right. Oh, no. shit, Jimmy. We're up to our necks here. We don't need her preaching. I'll say what I have to say. Yes, she will. You all sat quietly and let Eugene be the leader because his decision-making was dirty work, and you were glad to let him do it. That settlement was extortion. Eugene's okay with it? Fine. But if his face is the new face of this firm, it's not the same firm I know. Well, it's that or Bobby's face. Yeah. Oh, shit, Jimmy. All right, come on. Let's not do this. Not now. I'm a partner here, Jimmy. You're not. You're not. All right. <laughs> now, that's enough. <laughs> shit. We have to stay together now. Yo, this scene is great. It's finally conflict within the office that doesn't seem forced and arbitrary. It makes sense. Now what? Nothing. Let's have this conversation. Well, tell me one. Let's go to your office. Oh, shit. Lindsay? Okay. They've offered a plea. Aiding and abetting a felonious assault. Two and a half years. One suspended disbarment. Right. What I would like to do is chop that down to one year. Eugene, cop to... Bobby, we may have a chance at an outright acquittal, All they have is Neil's word. I understand. And I can argue his motive to lie in exchange for the plea bargain. The problem is that tape. What he said to Hinks, that precedes any motive to lie. Also, it's already playing all over the press about those two cops that got killed, how you got them killed. Even if I keep that out of evidence, which I should be able to do, the odds of the jury not knowing about it. If you get convicted of felony murder, you get life. Obviously, I'm hoping that won't happen, but the risk... The risk... If yeah, I could get it down to one year, the disbarment might not have to be permanent. You really have to think about it. I'll leave you two alone. Great stakes. Great stakes. Great stakes, yeah. I can't believe and nuanced. Yeah, and everything There's we've no kind way. of juggled for five I'm seasons now. I'm not getting life in prison. It could never, it could. ever happen. And I can't even think straight. It could never happen. What if you do? What if, what about, um, what, what, what about self-defense or, or maybe defense of others? Maybe the threat has to be imminent. understand how this can be happening. Well, David E. Kelly. I'm not pleading guilty. I'll go to trial. I am not pleading guilty. That's actually a huge offer. 
It's a yeah. I mean, one that he's actually guilty of. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, it's a really good deal. But they just laid the groundwork for what I think is going to be next week's argument that she's like, what about self-defense or defense of others? And he says it has to be an imminent threat. So the argument is not going to be that he didn't do it, but I actually don't remember what the argument is. But I I imagine (laughs) the argument would be, (laughs) I pretend I remember more than I do. Uh, The argument I think is going to be that Hinks's threat on her was imminent. That that Bobby believed he was about to, she was about to die. Well, I think the end of the episode is imminent. And there we have it. There we have it. To be continued. Wow, what an episode of The Practice. And you know what is imminent? Hmm. Is the discussion of that episode along with the awards for it and my summation of it all to be done in mere moments when you click on whatever you got to click on, hit that link, go back to the YouTubes, or just, or just keep, keep on listening. listening. We'll be with you as soon as I click a few buttons on my side. Yeah. And we are back, and Keith is huge. I'm enormous. Here, I'll zoom out or I'll zoom in. Oh, no, no, God. What's it. happening? I What's happening? All, all right, I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. But first, I'm going to let you do what our favorite, my favorite part of the show. And that is... Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Y'all, everybody's pissed. Bobby's on trial for murder. Did he kill that guy? Did he order to kill that guy? There's many hairs to be split. Eugene's in charge now. He always pissed. And he's telling people to do their job. He's in charge. He's the general. But the general also told Rebecca to do that thing where she got in trouble for like you know, the money thing and all. So she's real pissed. <laughs> Jimmy opens the door. Eugene walks in. Rebecca doesn't walk out. We don't know what's going to happen. Kelly Williams is scared and we got to wait to find out what happens with Bobby. Yes, indeed. Yes, Rebecca did that money thing. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah. we're going to talk about it when we do our thing called... Ladies and gentlemen, out of practice podcast in unofficial unsolicited unfactual association with david e kelly productions proudly present oopsie the oopsies celebrating excellence in acting good lawyering good guesting good and being tom brady not to mention this is where we rate the episode and stuff now here are your hosts keith and mike What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they are a fake award show we do at the end of every episode of the Out of Practice podcast, which begins with the most Well, um, well, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> Rebecca doesn't like that she got an easy 150k. Right. Uh, but that said, the law firm does need it right now. It but surely I, does. But I, 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 I don't think we can overlook Eugene Young, who was thrust into a leadership role 
delegating responsibilities, arguing in court, leading the troops, approaching the other guys, uh, the the hitmans, for lack of a better term, his lawyer, to, to get into his head, to hopefully garner some information, playing all the angles. I just don't think you can... I think as of now, as far as value is concerned, he is... And he is directly responsible for making Rebecca get that money. So I think that as far as valuable, the most valuable lawyer for the firm right now, I think you can't look any further than uh, Eugene Young. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's it's actually one of the things I really like about this episode is everybody is a little bit right. Yeah. That that, uh, Rebecca is right that it was that this was clearly extortion and that ethically they shouldn't be a part of this. Eugene is right that, you know, legally it's not her job to call balls and strikes on ethics. It's, it's to do the job as told to by her client. And if she can't prove that it's shitty, she just needs to represent her client. And so he's right about that as well. And, uh, and I think Eugene is absolutely the person I would want defending me right now. And mm-hmm. I think he's doing everything he can. However, Eugene also, and uh, and Eleanor, lost all of the things he was trying to do. And who won but the new dick of the week bad guy, Martin Toomey, the new DA played by Stephen Flynn, who at least at this point has really set up a situation where he's got Bobby pretty much dead to rights, won the motions to uh, to make him open to, fel- to felony murder. For me, I think it's got to be D.A. Uh, Martin Toomey. Okay, there you have it. Little Splitzy. Little Splitzy, congratulations, Eugene and Martin Toomey. It is now time to declare our... Already, Already famous. famous. Been on TV, getting a pay. Hey, Show first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Uh, speaking of Martin Toomey, uh, he was played by... Stephen Flynn. Stephen Flynn who I thought was pretty good in this episode as our uh, antagonist. Um, You know, the two other players, Q and Lady that conspired with Q, uh, Mm -hmm. some of my favorites, you know, uh, didn't didn't really do a lot, and so I will not award them. So that guy I just said his name a few seconds ago. Stephen Flynn. Keith will speak about more eloquently right now. No, I think I think you're right. I think um, the way they tried to hide John Delancey was <laughs> having him n- not do any Delanceyisms. Mm-hmm. So he was very not Q. He wasn't funny. He wasn't snarky. He was sort of like straightforward and kind of a little bit heartfelt. And so it was it was a very non Delancey Delancey performance, which again, which he had like. That dude has range, like you wouldn't believe. You see him on Breaking Bad, you're like, "Oh my god, that's Q." Uh, but it makes it, I, I don't understand why you hire him, right? If you're not going to have him do what he can do, 
it's a it's a very strange because like you've already used him doing that sort of a sort of a role. There's a gazillion actors in the world. Like Delancey doesn't need the work. And like I don't know why I don't know why you would use yeah, him it, again it's, and it, not it, use him. It it seems almost like it, it was like a last minute replacement kind of situation. But at the same time, why wouldn't you then just use a like a random? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It it, it wasn't a showy enough part that you needed some star power. Right. And it it was it was odd. It was odd casting. I mean, I'm he is always welcome. If yes. he wants to come and like read the phone book to me, I will be thrilled. Nobody but makes phone it, books anymore, Keith. Nobody makes phone books anymore. I'm old. I'm, I'm not 40. I'm 40. Anyway, uh yeah, I agree with you. I think it is Stephen Flynn. Um it, because he's he had to do a lot of groundwork creating a an antagonist in one episode. Keith, this Very just quickly. in. This just in. Mm. Uh, President Trump has awarded a full and uncontested pardon to Stephen Flynn. Uh, unfortunately, I think he's made a mistake as to who he meant to give that pardon. But nonetheless, uh, ah, Stephen ah. Flynn is given a full pardon. Oh, congratulations! Wow. I mean, I don't know. Did he cheat on his taxes or something like that? You know. It's so so Trump did what you've done all episode, and yes. that is get one of the names right and one of the names wrong. Correct. Great. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought he did. A, he did a really good job, uh, assholing and making us uh, dislike him. Even though his case is pretty straightforward, he kind of kind of has him. He's gonna send Bobby to prison, and where he'll be doing his own assholing. Okay. <laughs> Killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. Or multiple. You're the best actor on the show. And I really want to award. What you think here? It's interesting. I really want to award Kelly, but, but, oh, or Steve, or Dylan. Oh, they're all in contention here. It's a tough one this week. They all have. Kelly Williams is just excellent, and she had some great scene, some great scenes, but not a not a huge swath of them. And we love Steve when he is in full Eugene, and he was given the they took the reins off here. But I tell you what, Lisa Gay had a great that last scene with Lisa Gay was incredible too. Mm -hmm. The ensemble this week really in Cameron in court. You know, right? have we ever awarded? Best actor to the ensemble before? We have not. No, I don't know that we've ruled it out. I think I would. I'm waffling between Steve and Bob, Steve and Dylan here. But the Lucy didn't say anything. She gave us exposition. She was a good she exposition. Bob. I I really think this week it finally felt like the whole team was back together in the show together. And and that has that is a welcome relief to yeah. some of the complaints we've had recently. So I would like to, if if the jury will allow, if if the judge will allow it, I'd like to Ooh. reward to the ensemble here, which we don't do usually. But I think they were all effective. Even the inter-office drama, that one scene, was right. one of the more Michael. powerful yeah. scenes, and really kind of encapsulated where we are in the sort of grand arc. And I think that is just as important to this episode as what Bobby is into. So that's what I'd like to say. Wow. Will we allow 
the precedent to be like our, our, it's it is a little bit of judicial advocacy here because you're going to break precedent mm-hmm. and uh, and give it to the ensemble. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will tell you this: you might be the MVL of this segment because when you began proposing this, I was I, I was guilty. I was like, no way. I was I was I was going to shut down your motion, but I think you have convinced me. And I think I'll allow it. Guys, for the first time ever, the best actor goes to the ensemble cast wow. of The Practice. Wow. Deserve it. Unexpected. Deserve it. Unexpected. Yeah, and I no, I agree with you. I I was like I was torn. I think I was probably going to go with Lisa Gay. She was but great. But Steve deserved it and Dylan deserved it and uh they all did. I mean, they really did. So, congratulations, the ensemble. It's now time for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Take a peek, Tom Brady's head in Keith's actual freezer. Tom Brady. This was. Uh, in case exactly you were wondering what was in my freezer at that moment, there it is, folks. This is exactly what I asked you for. So, thank you for that. Uh, this week. You know, the episode was pretty straightforward and uh, it's really hard to sort of parody via Tom Brady. So, uh, um, I've got it. Okay. Say so for breaking precedent. Yeah. I would like to propose that the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady to go to Q Brady. Q Brady. Well, th- since we're breaking precedent, then I'll tell you how we'll flip it. Okay. Because clearly you're the Trek guy and I am not. Yes. So since we flipped it, this week I will have to be responsible for sending you the Photoshop yes! Q Brady. Yes, you okay. will. Oh, I love it. I just, okay. that made me so excited, maybe because <laughs> I don't have to do it. <laughs> and I have to do uh, some research to find a funny Q reference to do. Okay, so there there's, you go. Yeah, Congratulations to Q Brady. Congratulations, Q Brady! All right, now it is time to cue the... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. You started the episode by kind of lamenting that it was sort of ridiculous and blah, 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 but it turns out to be really excellent. I think, as we've already mentioned, the acting across the board, excellent. And the stakes are really high, and the stakes are not even just for this case. The stakes of the arc of the series are on the line here. Bobby's relationship is on the line. The life of Bobby as a father and of his unborn child are on the line. The life of the firm, their reputation, and their future on the line. And all of that is written really deftly. And like Keith mentioned earlier, and we discussed briefly in the episode, uh, the the writing supports finally Bobby, where he's at mentally, where he is in his decision-making. It seems he's come back to earth. We're set up with a huge quagmire. We have a, we have a reasonable, we have a reasonable offer on the table for a plea. And we have Bobby promising his wife and child that he's going to be acquitted and that he's gonna fight to tooth and nail. We've got Eugene in charge and his leadership being questioned. We've got a rift in the dynamic of the firm. 
this is everything I love about the practice. We've got an interesting case, we've got huge stakes, and we've got people acting rationally, yet high tension. So, these are great things. Uh, I hope that we can see them through. But nonetheless, as a standalone episode, I think I will give it 8.5 spare tires. Thank you, one and all. Yeah, I you know I I agree with no! everything. No, you did it again. Every time. That's the wrong button. That's the Damn. wrong button. Make yeah, you I, big. Yeah, I'm big. I I agree with everything that you said. I think you put it really well. And I I think as a writer, especially in an episodic like this, or really in anything, what you want to do is put your heroes in tough spots. Back them into corners. And oftentimes when a show is lazily written or sort of poorly done, you back them into sort of straw man corners where it's not, the Jeopardy isn't real. There's always, or there's some sort of an out. There's some sort of a clever twist that they they can get themselves out of Jeopardy without having to use the full extent of their abilities to not be the smartest, cleverest, best version of your characters to get them out of real jeopardy. And that's what I really like about this episode. It's what you said. The stakes are real. He's not being uh, accused of a murder he didn't do. He's not sort of, it's it's not so obviously unfair what the judge or even what the DA is doing. It's all kind of fair. He really has backed him his characters into a real problem. And the problem that he got himself into kind of makes sense based on the characterization leading up to it. The A to B to C here kind of makes sense. The, the, the recklessness of Bobby has been demonstrated before. So we've gotten ourselves into this problem in a way that, like, I get it. So the stakes feel both logical and super high. As I mentioned uh, during the episode itself, the conflict with Eugene taking over and Rebecca's reaction to it and Jimmy's reaction to Rebecca, I've complained a lot about the conflict within the office feeling forced and arbitrary. And you've got Eleanor taking swings at at Lucy. You've got people brawling over the desk with Eleanor and Lindsay and it felt so forced and stupid. Where this kind of makes sense because all sides in that equation have good points and they're all a little bit right and they're all uh, appropriate to their character. Eugene is the guy who's going to sort of follow the letter of the, the sort of legal aspects of what they're responsible for and sort of throw out the morality of it. And Rebecca is the character who's going to think about the morality of it. So it is logical to their characters as well. So uh, I really liked how this episode was written. I, I just thought it was like, I, I'm really excited to see what happens next. I like this storyline. It For the first time, one of our uh, characters accused of a crime that makes sense, that doesn't feel forced, it doesn't feel like a stunt, which mm-hmm. it frequently has felt like. So uh, for all of those reasons, as well as really good performances, I'm excited for next week. I, yeah, me too. You know, at, at this point, it's been set up in such a way that I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Like, there's no obvious out here for Bobby. Um, Especially so, this early in the season. And 
you know, I know you know the answer to this, or maybe you forget, is, you know, we've already shown, or they, they've, the creatives have already shown that they're willing to go a nine episode arc. They're yep. willing to go. So maybe we'll get that. And this case at least has the interest level for me to let's do it. Although I don't know that it has, there are as many witnesses to call. So we'd have to see a lot of stuff outside of right. the courtroom. But, you know, hopefully they'll, hopefully it'll get, hopefully the bar we're setting, they'll see it through. Well, and that's it, it. It is answering the complaint we have had through the whole Bruce Davidson case, which yes. was the stakes. We're we're all running around acting like the stakes here are really high, but because we don't know Bruce Davidson, we have no investment in the character. We, I'm not sure why we care. Well, now we care. Like I'm not sure what I, you know, what I'm rooting for, but I sure as hell care about the outcome. Yeah. So, uh, all of that leads up to. I'm going to give this an 8.75. I think it's, I really like this. And if they're able to take this and conclude this in a satisfying way, we're going to start cranking up the nines. So, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. so that's what I have to say about that. Uh, congratulations. Good episode. Very excited. Almost 8.75. Almost 8.75. Okay, folks. You have gotten yourself through another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to join the conversation, you can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Convict me for not updating it. You can do us a giant favor and join the jury by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or any other podcasting service of your choice. We will really appreciate it. It helps us a great deal. Speaking of things we appreciate, the Out of Practice podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wright's Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Navoa, and the animal bringer, Jennifer Masanova. If you'd like to be one of them, you've got only 30 seconds to do so. Just kidding. <laughs> you can go ahead and leave us a donation, a one-time donation, which we would appreciate, or a monthly contribution as our founding sponsors do. You can find the show notes, the links in the show notes to do just those things. Or if you don't have the cash or you want to spend that money on your family this holiday season, please feel free to do so. You can always just tell your friends to listen to Keith and I and do us another favor. Go out, hire a 12-foot guy, not to kill somebody, just scare them with some laser sounds. Laser sounds. Laser sounds.